Good morning. How are we doing today? Good, good, good. Hopefully you got outdoors and enjoyed that that uh, beautiful weather we've had this week. It's always good to come to church, amen? I don't know about you, but I, I'm not the type of person, I don't wake up every mo- every morning and just feel, boom, I'm on. You know what I mean? You ever feel like that? You just get up in the morning, you're like, oh boy, I'm going to take some time to wind up today. I feel like that a lot. I kind of felt like that a little bit this morning, you know, I had a I had a talk with Jesus this morning when I come in. I said, you got to get me right this morning. But that's how you do it, right? You get up and you go to the Father. You speak the name of Jesus. And you know what? Even after I prayed, I left the offices and I locked myself out of the office. So I don't know. I haven't got everything figured out. I had to get somebody to come down and unlock the office. And I'm like, you know, when you go up and you're kind of embarrassed and you go up and you're like, oh, I need somebody to unlock the office for me. Please come down. So, you know, you just, sometimes you just don't get everything right. But, you know, we, I thank God that the Holy Spirit doesn't ever mess it up. He doesn't ever mess up his presence. And so when you're feeling a little bit off in the morning, you can go to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit says, I got you. And he reminds you that I had your day ordered before you did anyway. So go to him in the morning and re- get reminded. Amen? Amen. That is not my sermon. That is like a sermonette, sermon preview, sermon thingy. We're going to call that. Um, so last week, if you weren't here, we began just a short couple of weeks um, on a sermon I entitled Same Concern. It was originally meant to be one sermon, and it became two, and that happens sometimes, and it's to your benefit that it does. Otherwise, it'll be two and a half hours, and nobody wants to hear me talk for that long, for crying out loud. Uh, but last week, we talked about having a shared concern, a same concern. We're talking about how we all have the same inspired devotion given to us by the Holy Spirit. Came across this, this uh, quote by C.S. Lewis, and I read much of C.S. Lewis's stuff, and I just love the way he articulates things. He says, God can show himself as he really is to real men. And that means not simply to men who are individually good, but to men who are united together in the body, loving one another, helping one another, showing him to one another. For that is what God meant humanity to be, like, pra- like players on one band or organs in one body, consequently, the one really adequate instrument for learning about God is the whole Christian community waiting for him together. Amen? What a beautiful sentiment. That really is the goal, you know, learning more about God, who he is and where he is leading us in community. It's more than being individually good, but is rather shared love for one another, displaying his character in an agreed upon direction, which we would call in modern terms as a shared vision, a shared direction, or as we talked about from our text, a shared concern. Uh, if you weren't here last week, I invite you to go back and check out the sermon. It's definitely uh, would be helpful to a lot of what I'm going to talk about today, but I'm going to try to give this, give you a brief re- recap to, to bring you up to speed. And we want to remind ourselves of the context and the fact that in Second Corinthians chapter eight, and in this context, in chapter one and chapter two, or, or chapter um, the beginning of chapter eight, all the way through to our text, is in the context of giving. And Titus had been sent to the Corinthians to receive what the church had collected for the poor in Jerusalem. Now this. Wouldn't have, been a, wouldn't have been a surprise to the church in Corinth, as Paul had mentioned the collection in, previous, in the previous letter in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 to 4. And it says there, 
Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian church to do on the first day of every week. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have been made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. And this is what he's talking about, collecting the money for those who are in need in Jerusalem. Now, as we move back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, um, Paul begins this chapter by commending the Macedonian church, you know, the church in Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, uh, for the generosity. And he says of these churches in chapter 8, verses 3 and 4, he says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. And it says, uh, the next sentence says, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And you're like, oh no, now the pastor's going to preach on giving. Can I brace myself for that? And the answer to that is, no, I'm not. But if you're feeling convicted about it, maybe I should. Just throwing that out there. And it will come eventually. <laughs> But in our text in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 16 to 17, we see that Paul is commending Titus as he goes on in Corinth to receive this collection for the poor of Jerusalem. And he's, he's basically giving Titus a pat on the back and thanking him for what he's about to do. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 16 to 17, we find our text for last week and this week, and it begins like this. It says, Thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. Now, Paul and Titus shared a great concern for the need in Jerusalem, but he also shared a great concern for the people of Corinth and everybody that they ministered to. And one of the defining characteristics of the church has to be agreement, like we see between Paul and Titus here. United for a common goal, to live out the gospel, to speak it confidently, and to love like it really is the good news. Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word and the richness that is there. And God, sometimes we open the book and we read it, oh God, sometimes we do it out of compulsion because we feel like we need to. <laughs> sometimes we do it, oh God, because we know there's truth for us, and sometimes we do it just to try to understand, but Father, I just pray that we would open your word with an openness with the Holy Spirit in our hearts, Lord Jesus, and say, Lord, I came here looking for something, but you show me from this word what you want me to hear, what you want me to understand today. And so, Father, we understand that your Holy Spirit is the great illuminator. You open the word to us. And so, Father, as your humble servant today, I just do my best to communicate your word that has been placed on my heart by your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would help me to function in the anointing you placed on my life to do this. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be thinking, you know, why do we need a shared concern? Why do we need vision? You know, there's lots of, you may, you may even think of organizations and churches and stuff that don't necessarily have a defined vision per se. We all have the same mission. Let's be clear about that. Go in the world. Make disciples of every nation, baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Make disciples. That's work. It's not just go tell people about Jesus. It's walk with them, live with them. We all have the same mission, and we communicate it in different ways and in different, you know, styles and whatnot. But 
But you may be asking, why do we need the same term? Why do we need a vision? Well, for one, it converts our understanding from the church as an entity to our church, the family. It helps us understand each other as brothers and sisters and, and gives us a desire to look over each other. It goes from this is the vision of the church I attend to this is the vision of our church, Word and Full Gospel Assembly. Subtle, but it's important. A common identity, I, um, a shared culture and a defined purpose is empowering. Uh, and it's empowering because it creates a learning environment where growth and innovation is welcome. It acknowledges what has worked and continues to work, but with the understanding of why it worked. It gives permission to experiment and to innovate towards a common goal. And this one all makes us uncomfortable because it means that, oh my goodness, we might need to change a little bit. And none of us like to wake up in the morning and have to change, especially in the morning. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning, I can walk to the bathroom with my eyes closed because I do it the same way every day. And I go through the same motion every day. I brush my teeth. I do my hair. I do everything in the same order. I don't know if I do it on purpose, but I do do it like that. And I, and I have a set way. And, and you know what? If somebody, all of a sudden, I went in there and my toothbrush was missing. And I mean, I'd wake up the whole house. Not on purpose, but my wife knows I'm like a bull in the china shop, you know, when I'm trying to find something. So if I got to look for my toothbrush and I can't find it, I mean... It's just not good. And then, you know, we, I don't like change. I just I don't know how to say it any, any other way. When it comes to my routine in the morning and stuff, I set my coffee pot before I go to bed. I wake up in the morning. I fill up my little travel mug that I drink in the car on the way to work. And then I have another thermos that I, you know, I visit throughout the morning. It's my routine. It's how I do it. I grind the beans the day before. I, I like that. I like having a set pattern of the way things. We all like that to some degree. And when people come in and you mess with our routine, and we let that exist in the church sometimes, and it's dangerous. It's dangerous. And we get, you know, there are amazing things, but then we begin to, to, to get in routine, and they become, you know, religious activities rather than things we do to express our love to Jesus. When we gather around this table, we cannot let it just become normal. When we partake of the cup and the bread, we can't just let it become normal. When we baptize people in water, we just can't let it become normal. It just can't be a routine, you know, because we're, this is the way we've always done it kind of thing to do. When we sing songs, we can't just let it become normal. They're expressions of who we are and what we have been blessed with. Turn back to Jesus in praise and worship. It's, it's honor to him because he deserves it, not because I need to feel a certain way. We can't. Just listen to the word because it's what we always do, and it makes me feel good, and it motivates me throughout the week. I hope it does that. That's a byproduct. But I'm more, I'm more concerned that the word speaks to you through the power of the Holy Spirit to, come, to become closer to him. And that involves change. That involves innovation, right? It gives us permission. You know, this common identity, a shared culture, a defined purpose and empowers. It gives us permission to experiment and innovate towards a common goal. In agreement, it also sets parameters through shared values or a developed culture so that we know how to do it and what we want to focus on. It creates a culture of authenticity where everything we say and do lines up with who we are, the culture we have created, the power of the Holy Spirit, and what we strive to accomplish. We need an authentic 
body of believers where people are functioning within the call of God on their life, and it's not just pastors that have a call on their life. Now, of course, if there is a shared concern among people, there will be signs of this shared concern. And that's what we find in this passage. Today, I want to focus on the evidence displayed within the church family that indicate a shared concern, a common concern, a shared vision. Evidence that the Spirit of God has been involved in the process and has spoken to us as individuals and as a whole. So what will the evidence that we share the same concern be? Well, let's just return to the text for a moment. Again, it says in 2 Corinthians 8, 16 and 17, Thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed the appeal, but he, he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and great initiative. First of all, we need to welcome the appeal. We need to have inspired presentation. This word appeal, if you look in the scripture, it, it translates more directly as a calling to one's side or to one's aid, an encouragement or a comfort, and it can also be translated as an encouraging message. Now, the Holy Spirit makes the initial appeal. I want to be clear about that. You may be up here saying, well, Pastor, are you asking us to do everything I ask you to do? Yes. No, I'm not. I'm not asking you to do everything I ask you to do. I'm asking you to consider what I say through the power of the Holy Spirit and test it through the power of the Holy Spirit, and see if it agrees with your spirit. That's what I'm asking. The Holy Spirit makes the appeal. The pastor and the leadership in the church embrace uh, the appeal in unity when it all goes well. Of course, someone leads the way in the process, but the acceptance and the confirmation of the appeal is evidence that it is spirit-led and it is driven. There's an agreement when the appeal is given, and you feel it corporately. I'm asking you to consider the appeal and to hear my heart today, but I am also telling you that when we set our course and we establish our mission, our vision, and our culture, we will be, it will be our responsibility, the pastor and the leadership of Warden, to provide accountability and a focus to that vision, and we will need the help of the whole body to do that. How we will know that there is a shared concern will be a response to this, this appeal which is why we need to pray. I've said it, part of my philosophy of ministry is that unity comes through individuality. That if you don't know how to pray by yourself, then I don't know how you can pray for anybody else. you got to learn how to pray and treat your relationship with God as a personal one first. And if you want to come into unity, speak to the one who creates the unity. Because as I said multiple times, that when you speak to God, and I speak to God, he is not a God of confusion. I just happen to believe that he might speak similar things to both of us when we pray for the same church, for the same body, for the same city, for the same needs. I have a feeling that the Holy Spirit may have some consistency here when he speaks to each one of us. And then maybe when he lays something on my heart, you can confirm it. Or if he lays something on your heart, I can confirm it. And that is the beauty of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're starting uh, a sermon series on, on the statement of essential truths for the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada because they've refreshed it and we've updated it. And I get to talk about the unity of the Godhead next week. I get to talk about the triune God, the Trinity. And it's a massive topic, but I can't wait 
I cannot wait to talk about it because he shows us how to be unified within the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit communicates to us what the truth of the Godhead wants us to understand. And he does that for you like he does it for me. And so when the appeal comes, I believe also the confirmation comes. And, and, and the presentation will reflect that. And it will be an inspired presentation. The word appeal is the Greek word paraklesis, and I'm in, and, uh, which means an encouraging message. But in the Greek, it is so close to another word in Scripture that you may be familiar with. It's the advocate, which is parakletos. The advocate, the comforter, the encourager. You know who he is, don't you? It says in John 15, 26, when the advocate, advocate comes, whom I will send to you from Jesus, from the Godhead, right? The Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. The advocate, the comforter, the encourager will inspire the appeal. We just need to come together under his plan for Warden gospel assembly so we cannot do that if you're not praying individually i will pray we need to pray corporately but we also need to pray individually we're not going to get agreement if we're not talking to jesus we cannot have agreement if we do not talk to the holy spirit we may hear a good idea and like it and move along with it but but there's power in the agreement of saying yes I hear what the, what the pastor is saying. I confirm that the Spirit of God is speaking similar things to me. And you come together and you, 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 you figure it out together. Amen? Another evidence that is clear in this passage that we share a same concern will be our enthusiasm, which I've called our inspired participation. And uh, if you look at the word for concern in the Greek, it's, it's, I'm going to probably mess up the pronunciations. Forgive me. I'm not, I'm not an expert on any of this, but from my understanding, it's spudi, which is, but here, in, which means, you know, zeal or, or um, excitement to do something. But enthusiasm here is a word spudeos, and I may be pronouncing it wrong, but it's more zealous, it's more enthusiastic. It's very earnest. It gives the idea of almost being forward about things. And this describes how we display our concern. Now, the concern, when you look at this translation, you know, in, in, in uh, verse 17, it refer- references to a matter of interest and importance. Again, it's not a concern like, I have a concern, you know, I need to talk to you because I feel like you're going down a bad path. It's not one of those things. That is a matter of of interest and importance, but it's a concern, a shared passion, a shared concern. And here, you know, he doubles down on it, and he describes what that concern is supposed to be, and describes how we should approach that concern with enthusiasm. It describes how we accept and participate in what God is calling us to do. In verse 17, it says, For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm. And when the Spirit leads and there is agreement, then the, it is evidenced by passion and enthusiasm. And this is the culture we are striving for at Warden. When you use that word culture a lot, because I want it to feel natural. I think sometimes in the church we get so program-oriented, and there's nothing wrong with programs. Programs fit into culture, but if the culture is not set in a place, then why are we doing the programs? <laughs> 
to who we are, we need to understand who we are and, and what we are about and why we're doing it and, and the motivation behind why we do everything. The culture, you know, that we're striving to have here at Warden is one of enthusiasm. It's one of, of uh, an agreement that comes from the Holy Spirit. We want a culture of discipleship, a culture of service and volunteerism, the culture of worship driven by their desire for God's work with love and excitement. We need a culture of enthusiasm. And this is why I will never force, as I've said before, or coerce anyone to volunteer or get involved here at Warden. If, you've, if we ask you to do something and you look at me and say, oh, I don't feel like I want to do that in this season. Well, come here. I'll, let, me, let me convince you. It's not that I'm not having that conversation with you. I won't. Now, don't get me wrong. You've got to have some discernment. If I feel like you're just maybe a little bit shy and I see a gifting, then I'm going to let you know I see the gifting, but I'm still not going to tell you you have to do it. I want you to do it with enthusiasm. I want you to do it because you love the culture. I want you to do it because you love your church. I want you to do it because you feel compelled by the appeal. I want you to do it because you're committed to what we're doing as a family for Jesus Christ in Scarborough. We want to develop a culture of enthusiasm driven by the Holy Spirit so that we will serve, not out of compulsion, but because our heart is responding to Spirit-led direction and inspiration. The last evidence that we share uh, the same concern will be our initiative, our inspired innovation. Initiative here, again, in the original language, it says on one's own accord, entirely on their own. There's nothing really specific about it. It means exactly what it means, initiative. And when you read the passage again, back in verse 17, it says, He is coming to you with enthusiasm and on his own initiative. A corporate mission boils all the way down to each of us making a decision to be part and to do our part. I love this John Maxwell quote that says, Change is inevitable, but growth is optional. And sometimes we avoid change, we avoid initiative, and we avoid uh, you know, innovation because, you know, we don't, we don't want it, but sometimes change is coming anyway, and then we're not prepared for it. So change is inevitable, but growth is optional. Titus was not the only one buying into Paul's spirit-led mission. Consider the Macedonian church, spoken of at the beginning of chapter 8 I referenced earlier. They did not have much, but they graciously gave to the need of Jerusalem. It says that out of their poverty, they welled up in rich generosity because they trusted God and had, a, had the same concern as Paul and as Titus. But if you go back to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, back to verses 3 and 4, I read it earlier. It says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. Entirely on their own. They took the initiative. And this is the same Greek uh, root word as as you find in the word appeal. When he says they urgently pleaded, it's the same root word here that you find in the word appeal. They pleaded with Paul and Titus for the privilege of sharing in in the mission. That's initiative. Appeal and enthusiasm, all wrapped up in one. And that is what I long for as a pastor. Is that when you love 
our city, when you love this church, this family, I'm going to let you in on a secret. You're not going to love this city the way Jesus wants you to love this city if you can't love this family. Think about that. If we can't love with inside the walls, how can we expect to really communicate that outside the walls? That is what I pray for Warden's culture will emulate, is that there's initiative that we accept the appeal with enthusiasm and that would all be wrapped up in one and that we would respond to the needs of this church and to our city and to whatever God lays in our heart as if it was a privilege in sharing it a service to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That people would jump at the privilege of joining in on the mission vision. That we would have a welcoming challenging, God-inspired culture. I have the hope that Warden's culture will be one where people embrace a shared concern with inspired devotion. That people would embrace the appeal through this inspired presentation. Not only that, but they would be in, do it with a holy enthusiasm and hope for the future. That word hope is powerful. And I think we need to, sometimes when we think about the future, we think of it as far too bleak. But if we're going to be a difference-making church, a difference-making people, we've got to have hope for the future. With enthusiasm. That's what Jesus tells us. He's in control. He's in control. We need to have a hopeful future with inspired participation and that We wouldn't do things out of compulsion, but that there would be initiative as we're called by God and inspired to innovate. So here's the thing. We struggle to succeed corporately if we do not take our own personal relationships with God seriously. So hear my appeal today. This is what what my appeal, and I can tell you it's directly from God because I find it in the black and white, clear as day. Pray with me, will you? On April the 13th, I am going to put it in an appeal. I'm going to call whoever wants to come. We're going to have a day where we gather and we explore mission and vision and our core values and our culture and what we want to be as warden. It's going to be a, a, a day where we'll feed you. <laughs> Start at 9.30 and we'll and probably go up until the middle of the afternoon on Saturday. And I know I'm asking for a lot. It's a Saturday. It's a day for family. It's all these things. But that's why I'm asking you this far in advance, because you can plan around it, right? April 13th. But what I need you to do with me from this point on is pray. Begin to pray and say, Jesus, ask him the direct question. This is, these are not just pastor's questions. Ask him, say, Jesus, what do you want for Warden Full Gospel? On the corner of Warden and Shepherd, in the neighborhood where they are, just below, you know, uh, the neighborhoods before us and around, surrounded by all these buildings and these condominiums that are going up and, and the businesses that are here, Lord, what do you want for us here? Begin to speak it to my heart. I'm going to tell you one of the craziest things and one of the most confidence instilling things for me as a believer is when God has spoken something to my heart and then somebody else who trusts 
God for me and prays for me comes and confirms those things in my heart as if I had told them directly. That's the Holy Spirit. So I'm inviting you to pray. Pray that the Spirit of God would give us a shared concern, the same concern, just like Paul and Titus and just like the church in Macedonia, that we would have a shared concern, that we would agree on what God wants to do here at Warden and in this city. Pray for the mission, that we would embrace it. The idea of disciples making disciples needs to be part of our culture. Pray for the vision, how we specifically are going to about go about executing the mission in our lives. We need to pray for our how, how we're going to do it. Pray for the specifics of it and pray for who, we're, who we are. It's crazy that, that we would say, oh, well, how do you, what do you mean we don't know who we are? We need to define our culture, who we are, what we are about. We need to put parameters around this safe place so that when people come in here, they feel welcome and they feel like they're part of the family before they ever get introduced. And trust me, when I say all this, I'm not saying it like it doesn't exist here now, okay? Our core values is figuring out who we are and what we are, what we value now. Who we are, what is our culture, who is Warden? You know, the whole, whole of society as individuals, we, there's so much identity crisis going on in society today. We can't have one in the church. Pray for our leadership, will you? For wisdom and guidance in the process. I am living proof that the enemy is trying to distract. He's trying. And I'm going to guarantee you right now that if the enemy is trying to distract, then you must be doing something for the kingdom. He's worried about Warden. He's worried about the effect that you can have in this community. He's worried about the effect that Jesus can have in your home. He's worried that Jesus might come into your home and heal your marriage. He's worried that your child might show an interest in Jesus. He's worried that you might give your life wholly to him. And he's worried about when people come together who have an individual individual relationship with God that's so rich that when they come together and we get the evidence of those individual relationships come together in unity because the Holy Spirit is speaking to each one of us individually and he's speaking to us as a whole and when we come together he's worried man he's worried because there's power in agreement there's power when we speak the name of Jesus in the dark alone but there's power when we say it together I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. We need to pray that there will be enthusiasm. I haven't been called an enthusiastic guy very often in my life. I'm pretty laid back. (laughs) I could be going into it. I mean, one of the things I loved to do in high school was be part of the basketball game. and, And people were like, aren't you excited? You know, all the guys are bouncing around the locker room and and, um, and my coach would say, no, leave them alone, because they knew I was in the corner processing. This is how I go about it. I'm, 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 I'm inside. I'm, like, fired up, but I'm focused. 
And so I'm not telling you that to be enthusiastic, you got to be jumping around and be all like cheerleader. I'm not that. <laughs> I hope I inspire people, but, but I'm, I'm just not, I've struggled with that at times. It's not me, you know, I want you to be you, but be enthusiastic how you're enthusiastic. Pray that there will be enthusiasm that is driven by hope in the Great Commission. Pray for people who initiate new ideas and are willing to step out and be courageous to do what God has spoken in their hearts to do. Pray that the culture of Warden will be spirit-led, a place where disciples make disciples, because it really is the good news. And we have the privilege of being able to share it. Amen? Father, thank you for your goodness, your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit. I don't know, I don't know where I'd be if I couldn't turn to you and say, Jesus, I need wisdom, I need guidance. If I couldn't turn to you and say, Father, remind me who I am to you. Sometimes I need that. Sometimes I just need to sit in your presence and you just come and remind me that I'm your child. And I feel like I belong to the most important thing. And I do belong to this family. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would come even right now each one of us come with your appeal for what you want for Ward and Full Gospel Assembly speak it to our hearts begin to place it in our hearts and give us a passion for it, give us an enthusiasm for it Lord Jesus because we know there will be no shadow of a doubt Lord Jesus because we will confirm it in each of our hearts that we will begin to confirm it with each other there will be no shadow of a doubt oh God that it will be from you because it will be confirmed and spoken of and so Lord we will step out in enthusiasm Lord Jesus and take the initiative oh God not worrying about what the person to the left or right is doing oh God but doing it because you spoke and I want to be obedient. Pray that you would give us a holy fear of disobedience when it comes to you. So, Father, Holy Spirit, there's nothing else in this world that can inspire us like you. So as we pray, come with inspiration, Lord Jesus. Come with direction. Give us ears to hear it, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing this song. It's probably one of my favorite songs right now. It's called Nothing Else. Because there's, there's really nothing else to Jesus. And I do have a heart for this church, but I have a heart for you. And when you go home to wake up tomorrow and want to read the Bible and want to know him more. Because there's nothing like Jesus. Nothing like his direction. Nothing like the passion he can give you. There's nothing like the unity he can bring. So let's just sing this song to the glory of God. If you can, will you stand with us? And we're just going to worship.
just take some time and even begin to pray right now if we can. Just Let's just pray for our church. We often sometimes, you know, ask people to come to the altar because they need prayer. And you are the church, and we want to do that, and we want to invite you. But even if you want to just come and spend some time around the altar, or if you want to be here, let's just take some time. Tell Jesus there's nothing like you, but we need you to come, Lord, and inspire us as a family. Bring us together. Give us the same concern for our city, for this church, for each other. In Jesus' name, amen.